Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Okay, so the word that the Lord put on my heart for this weekend uh, is entitled The Heart After God. Now, when I say the word heart after God, who do you automatically think of? David. David, yeah. King David. But I want to... I want you to think of yourself for a moment. Right? I want to think. I want you to think of yourself as the one who has the heart after God. Yeah. And God is boasting about you in heaven. Imagine that for a minute. Imagine He's walking around, talking to His angels, saying, oh, "This one, take, check him out. That guy over there, that you know, that Jeff. Yeah. That Catherine." Wow, that Peter, oh, heart after God. Heart, he has a heart after me. He'll do whatever I ask him to do. She'll do whatever I ask him to do. Man, wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing if you had such an intimacy with God, such a connection with God, such a, a flow with the Holy Ghost, that God would just go, oh, 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 oh this one here yeah, is the heart after me. You know that King David had definitely had that. But a lot of people don't realize that he had that before he became king. He was identified by God as one who had a heart after God before he became king. In fact, that's the reason why God chose him. But there's an interesting story between that point and the end point. And there's a journey that David went on, even from the time that he was anointed as king to the time he became king. Which actually, if we have a look at that, just in the glimpse, the few glimpses of that story, and then look at our own lives and look at how God deals with us, we can actually learn a lot and be encouraged. Alright? So I want to identify first of all um, from Acts chapter 13, verse 22, where it says, where, where it's talking about David, right? And, and if you know the backstory, is that Israel had not had a king at all up until Saul. So they were um, under the judges, yeah? And God had set apart judges, and even there was a female judge of the nation of Israel, Deborah. And through a season, God was using judges as the leaders of the nation, right? But then the people of Israel... They were looking at all the nations around them who had kings, and they said to God, well, we want a king. They said to Samuel, we want a king. And God said, well, well I'm not giving you a king. And they said, well, we want a king. And it was almost like they were so belligerent that they wanted a king because they wanted to be like other nations. That God just said, okay, I'll give you a king. Do you know what, what I want? And if you go back in the history of Israel, right back to Mount Sinai, when God called them to to come up the mountain, they said, no, you just said, Moses, he's good enough, you know, you're scary, you know. And God will honour our decision, the people of God's decision, not to do it his way. Yeah? Isn't that interesting? How God will honour that? And the people say, no, we want a king. And God says, okay, I'll give you a king. So we looked around and the best person he could find was Saul. Here we want to say that, the best person he could find was Saul. And so Saul gets put in as a king, but then Saul didn't go so well. I mean, he started off all right, 
But then he was all over the shop and he started entertaining witchcraft and he started entertaining all sorts of things. He was harassed by devils and so on. And eventually his kingdom uh, was starting to get on shaky ground. His kingship was questioned and God was, well, man, oh, this is you know, paraphrasing. <laughs> God was not real pleased about the fact that he put Saul in place because of the way he has responded. See, because God does, doesn't he? He honours our decisions. He gives us free will. And even when we're in a place of leadership that he put us in, look at all the pastors and leaders that have fallen by the wayside over the years. Someone will get an anointing on their life and they pressed in for it, but their character hasn't been developed yet. And they walk in an anointing but the character can't contain what's going on and they fall apart, right? And so it comes to David and Acts chapter 13, verse 22, and it says, when he removed Saul, so it's when God removed Saul, he raised up for them David as king. That's a key phrase. He raised up for them David as king. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all of my will. Now that is God's boast about David when he was a young man. Now, most of us would think, okay, so he's found a man, he might be a young man, but he's a man after God's own heart, who will already do everything that God tells him to do. Shouldn't he be ready to be king? Not necessarily, right? But our logic would say, well, surely if he's already a man after God's own heart and he's already a man who will do everything that God tells him to do, surely he's ready already. And apparently he wasn't. Because it took another 13 years between before he became king, before he stepped into the identity that God had released over his life. Because Saul went and found him. And he was the least of his brothers, but he was a man after God's own heart. And so he was anointed. God said, this is the one. This is the one I've called, and he will be king. So Samuel anointed him as king, but he didn't become king straight away. And of course, we know a few of his stories that... Not long after that, the whole nation of Israel was under attack from the Philistine army. And there was this giant by the name of Goliath. Famous story, right? And jo Goliath is, you know, you bunch of whoopies, you know, come and get me, you know. And they're all frightened. The whole nation of Israel, who was supposed to be God's people, but they're under a king who's not fully honouring and walking with the Lord, right? So the nation is not being led by a godly man. They're just being led by the man who God put in place. So they're afraid of this one guy. This giant. I was about to hoping my hands won't get chopped off in the fence. But he was a big dude, right? And he was skinny. He was probably not only tall. He wasn't tall and skinny. He was tall and big. And he, he could carry a big spear and... You, you go into battle against him and he's probably going to carve you up. Well, David turned up on the scene and he already trusted God and he knew that God's 
how to honour God in situations where he would have normally been very afraid. Because it says that he already tackled Washington while looking after his sheep. He tackled a bear and a lion. And, and what? <laughs> wow. Like, have you ever seen bears? How big they can get? Lions? How big their paws can get? I saw a picture of a bear's paw. A lady was picking up a bear's paw and she had to have two hands on it. It was like this big. Like, literally, it was like two of my hands spread out. And it was so big. And the claws were like there, 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 and there. So, like, crazy. Like, almost as wide as my shoulders. This bear's paw, right? And David took on a bear and like, because he trusted God. He was a man after God's own heart. Right? But here he was. He confronts Goliath. And he wins. And you think, now he's ready to become king. But the thing is, Saul's still king. And God's still honouring the fact that he put Saul in place. Now, he could have just taken Saul out. But that's not the way God works. Because he put him in place. And there's a way to go about things. But also, David wasn't ready. And you think, well, well, surely he was ready now. But he hadn't been through all the tests. Now, I, I want to I premise something right here, that every one of us will go through testing as we're being prepared for whatever God wants us for. And depending on the, um, how big the task is, let's, let me put it in those terms, how big the task is, the test will be bigger. Why? Because God wants His work to last. He wants what you're about to step into. He wants what we're about to step into to last. He wants it to be established on earth as it is in heaven. And if we're not ready to carry that kind of weight of uh, a role or of a mantle or a responsibility, the enemy will come in like a force and just go straight through us. And there's a few characters in the Bible who experienced a lot of that, experienced that testing, and I'm going to highlight a few as we have a look at this, because you see, some of us have had words over our lives. We've had a prophetic release. We've had an ex encounter with God when God spoke to us and said, this is what I'm going to get you to do. God might have spoken to you through somebody else, a prophet or a pastor or a preacher or a friend in a prayer circle who just released something over you and said, I really sense God saying this over you. And you received it and it sat well in your spirit. The Lord might have spoken to you through some scripture and it landed somewhere and you go, yes, I believe this is what God... It might have been a long time ago. And you might be thinking, uh, when is that going to happen, God? What's going to, like, why did you even say that if you're not going to follow through? You might have even got to the point where you've been upset with God. And let me tell you, there's been plenty of times where men and women of God, of high standing, have got quite upset with God for not coming through in their timing. And God's timing is different, isn't it? And we've got to learn that we have to learn to trust God in all things. And that's one of the reasons why we experience these tests. That's one of the reasons why David took so long to get to the kingdom, get to the throne. Yeah? So if you go... From that point on, 
in David's journey, and we'll just quickly go through a few things, he had um, a season where he was given great authority by King Saul. But he became so popular that Saul got really upset. And he became more popular than Saul, and he became so jealous. And he couldn't see with the eyes of God what God was doing. And he wanted now, he, want, he didn't want David a part of his entourage anymore. He wanted to kill him. And so he conspired against David to kill him. Right? And so suddenly David is now number one on the hit list of the king of Israel. On the, of the throne whom he's, he's already anointed for. So he's got this journey of experience, this backlash, constantly under threat. He's become best friends with the king's young son, Jonathan, but he's no longer allowed to have anything to do with him. So have you ever been in a situation where your relationships, you know, you, within, even within the place of your calling, start to fall apart? You wonder what on earth is going on? Why is this so? And you don't, just don't get it. But in, in, in underneath everything, the enemy's twisting and turning and trying to get at you because he knows what you're calling him. He's heard the words out of heaven. He's heard the words out of the Father's heart over you. He's heard the boast. He said, oh, 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 I'll get this one. Remember Job? Didn't Job have a have a bit of a name for himself in heaven. God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Wow. He's a man after my heart, isn't he? Not in those words, but kind of thing. You know, he's, he's boasting about Job. And, and the devil turns around Satan and says, well, it's only because you gave him everything he's got and you protect him. So if you, you let me at him and we'll see whether he holds his ground and stays true to you. Okay, God says. See, God knows his heart. Okay, you can do whatever you want to him, but you can't take his life. Can you imagine God saying that about you? Just think about it for a minute. This was a real God. This wasn't just a parable. No. A real person. Imagine God saying that about you. He's boasting about you in heaven. Satan comes up and says, let me out. Let me out. Okay. You can do whatever you like with them, just can't take their life. Destroy their marriage, destroy their home, take all their finances, take their credibility, do everything, get them all sick, make them almost fall apart, because you can't take their life. Can you imagine that? Wow. Some of you have been through some of that. Why? Because God's got a calling on your life. He's probably boasting about it. <laughs> and the enemy comes in and says, let me out. Remember Peter? Just before the cross, Jesus called him aside, Peter. Satan had asked to sift you like wheat. Remember that? And Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that you may be strong. Then what he said next is blew me away. He says, now, when you return to me, in other words, you're going to fail. You're going to fall over me. But when you return to me, feed my sheep. I've got a job for you. Wow! Can you imagine that? 
Jesus comes up to you and says, hey, Shay, I'm sorry to tell you, but Satan, he wants out of you because God's been boasted about you again. Right? So, um, good up your loins because it's going to be a rough ride, but I pray for you. You'll get cured. And when you come back out of this, I've got to talk for you. Wow. Imagine that. I don't imagine Peter's the only one who had that. But it's just that he had a face-to-face with Jesus over the fact, yeah? Job didn't have a face-to-face with Jesus over the fact. He didn't know what was going on. All he could do was sit there with all the boils on his body, baking in the hot sun, having lost everything. His wife's been murdered, his children have been murdered, everything's gone, blah, blah, blah. He's got nothing left. And his best mates are accusing him of doing something to deserve all this. And no, I haven't done anything wrong. I love God and I'm not backing down from that. And I don't believe that this is a result of anything that I've done wrong. He stayed his ground. And then he had a few conversations with the Lord. The Lord hasn't sent him straight. Which you kind of you can imagine if you're in such a bad state, your mind's going to be doing playing tricks on you, yeah? He had a few of those moments with God. God says, I'm God, right? Just remember that, and you're not. So it's all going to be okay, just trust me. And God then restored it. Everything, double fold, yeah? Wow. Okay, so how does God work with people to get them to the place that they need to be so they can fulfill the destiny that's on their life? And what does the devil do to try and stop us? And why does God allow that to happen? Well, David is, I believe, the, the blueprint. David's the blueprint. He had a heart after God. He hadn't done anything wrong yet. He did some wrong things later. But at this point in time, he was an innocent young boy who was so hard, so after God. And many of us here, probably at some stage in our journey, were just like that, and possibly are right now, just so after God. I remember as a child, I grew up just loving on God so much. Like I remember all through my teenage years, up to 19, 20, maybe not quite 21, I had a bit of a, a bit of a challenge in my childhood after 21, but up to that point I would always pray the same prayer every single night without fun. I remember because it was my rope, because it was so ingrained in me that I wanted to pray, God, use me. Whatever you want to do in my life, do in me. Take me wherever you want me to go. Be in me, whoever you want to be in me. I used to have these encounters with God, which were incredible. You know, um, I, I'd go flying in, in, in my dreams. Like literally, and it felt so real. I'd go throughout my whole neighborhood and see things floating over houses and all sorts of stuff. It was almost like the Holy Spirit was taking me on these amazing journeys, right? I was just so in tune with God, right? So I had all that going on, and the enemy came at me, right? And I had to, and I've had a series since then probably about 30 years of constant, one after the other, challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge, which has been this constant grooming of my character. Because I can tell you now, I I was after God, but I was an arrogant young man. I thought I knew everything, I didn't. (coughs) When I went to Bible college back in 1989, I really thought, I don't even have to be here, but I'm here now. 
just got to get through four years so I can get a certificate and start preaching in the church and all this sort of stuff. I really had that such an arrogance about me, and after about a year, I realised I don't know anything. <laughs> I really didn't know much at all, and uh, I certainly did not want to know how to study, how to do Greek. That was just, you know, land and enormous. And I was, you know, I used to try and, anyway, I'm not going to go It was just a horrible, horrible season of trying to get my head around all this technical stuff. All I wanted to do is serve God. Why do I have to learn Greek? Why, you know, why do I have to learn theology? Why do I have to study Paul, the Pauline letters? You know, what's Pauline got to do with anything anyway? She's, you know, you know it's like, <laughs> My head was just spinning. And then I married someone who's into Hebrew. And, you know, and I'm like, what? You can learn that. And she goes, oh, let me teach it now. It's okay. You just learn it and tell me all about it. And she learns it. You don't have to teach me anything. Because my head just doesn't cope with that kind of stuff, right? Sorry for those who are kind of like that. But okay, so. <laughs> I have, I've been on this incredible journey of character smashing, right? And, you know, time after time, ministry after ministry, 30 years of serving the Lord as a pastor, right? I've had all sorts, I've had everything, everything that, you know, stood up in front of the church to have something sorted out in my life. I'm like, what on earth is that about, you know? I lose my marriage and, you know, characters falling apart and all sorts of things. Remarried, of course. And I still haven't got to the place where I fulfilled the calling of God in my life. But I can say this, that I feel as though now I'm starting to understand why it's taken so jolly long. And I'm okay with that now. I'm actually at peace in here about who I am right now and the journey that God's got me on. I wasn't before, and the reason I wasn't was the reason why I was in it. Yeah. I wasn't happy, and that's the reason why I was still not happy. Because God was, the reason I wasn't happy was because I just didn't trust Him. That's it. I thought I did, but I didn't. Because when you're not happy with God, it's because you, you don't trust Him yet. You think you do, but you don't. That's it. That's as simple as that. Um, I'm not trying to simplify that, and I'm not trying to accuse anybody of anything, but I'm just looking back at my own journey, and I know. I trusted God, but I didn't. I had a heart after God, but I didn't. Because I'd always get caught in a certain place, and it was like you go around a mountain, and you keep getting, it's like a broken record. Same thing over and over and over again until God says, come on. And you go, oh. And you let go of something that's been messing with your head or your heart or your relationships or, you know, you've got some pride issue or you've got some anger issue or you've got something going on that's not, that's holding you back. And the problem is if God releases you into the, the thing that he wants you to have, the thing that he wants you to walk in, Prematurely, you'll be a Saul and not a David. And the problem is that some people grab hold of it and the church rallies around them and puts them on a pedestal, Todd Bentley. Right? I know enough about 
Chuck Bentley to know that he shouldn't have been put on a pedestal like he was, and he shouldn't have been put in a place where he had so much responsibility and the freedom that the church offered him. But they didn't know at that point in time what was going on in his character that hadn't been resolved yet. He had a genuine anointing from the Lord. And I think he still does today. He's wrestling constantly with stuff. I have $10,000 worth of his material in my garage because I had partnered with him to get him out here to do some ministry and he wasn't allowed to come. So I've still got it 10 years later. But the thing is, I had to accept the fact that it wasn't his time. And then I had to accept the fact that even though I had chosen to put my trust in him because of the anointing that's on his life, God stopped him from coming because there was a whole bunch of other stuff that if we had partnered with that, we could have been in a whole bunch of trouble. Right? Praise God. Now, Shep and I, we've had, we've had encounters, um, close friendship encounters with some of the, his stable mates, the young guys that he's groomed up and had around him. And so we've heard a lot of interesting stories. I'm not going to go into that because I'm recording this message, but I just want, I just want, to, want you to know that you put a person in a position that they were destined to have, and they're not that they're destined to walk in, but you place them on a pedestal. You put them in a place of authority without checks and balances and without knowing that they're, they're ready for it. The whole church was, in all, in all honesty, the whole church around him at the time was immature because they were more interested in the anointing than the person who was carrying it on. And that's not a rebuke, that's just, we've got to learn from that. You know, I, 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 I've said to the Lord numerous times, Lord, if you break out in revival in our meetings, I'm not so sure I want cameras. I'm not so sure I want to promote it. I don't want a big name. What I want is the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. If the Holy Ghost turns up and starts doing stuff, I don't have to promote anything. <laughs> You walk out of here and you only tell one person what you experienced and they'll be here the next time. And that'll go on and on and on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I feel as though we've got to shift from this whole egocentric, put people on pedestals, get your face known. You know, how many likes can you get on Facebook? How many people are tuning into your story just so that you get reputation, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Get to move away from that and just get on our knees and go, Holy Ghost, what are you up to? What do you want us to do? How do you want us to do it? It's almost like we have to be a secret society waiting in the upper room for the Holy Ghost to fall and then whatever he does next is up to him. get to that place is if we go through the stuff where God is fashioning our culture, fashioning our character, fashioning our heart, our mind, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, not getting caught up. We have to get to a place where we're not just caught up with every wind of whatever God's, whatever, I was going to say whatever God's doing, but I want to go with whatever God's doing. That's the right wind. But whatever man's doing, 
and how we don't have to imitate others. We don't have to imitate another church. We don't have to be like any other church. We don't have to be like any other community. Our meetings don't have to look like anything that anybody's ever done or thought of or practiced. we just got to be ourselves, whoever the Holy Ghost is on here, whatever he's doing. And so David had to learn two things. And we all have to learn two things. And it's not that David didn't know them, it's just that they hadn't been tested yet. Two things, love and trust. Every one of us, we have to learn to love. When we get to heaven, you're going to be asked, I'm sure of it. Did you learn to love? Did you love? Did you trust? Trust who? Him. Trust. Love comes from God and trust comes from God. God is love. God is also trust. God is trustworthy. God is the essence of follow through. Yeah? We sing about that, don't you? You know, you're our way maker. You're our promise keeper. You're the one. He's trustworthy. But we've got to learn to trust him in all circumstances. So, what's going to happen? We're going to get ourselves in a situation, whether it be by the devil's design or God's design, where trust and love is going to be tested in us so that we're groomed, ready for whatever God wants. And God will let the devil have his way with us sometimes, knowing that that will bring us to the place that we need to be. There's an old saying, you know, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's, I don't know where that came from, you know, as in originated, but there's an element of truth as we walk with the Lord. If the devil can't kill you, you're going to come out of that season stronger. Either that, or you're going to walk away from the Lord. And there's plenty of people who do that too. But God allows certain things, yeah? Testing. So what happened to David? David went down a pathway where the king was asked him, trying to kill him, and he ended up with a bunch of guys, 400 men, David's mighty men, and they were his warriors, right? And, and the tension between David and King Saul was so strong that his guys were like, let's just kill Saul, get it done with, right? And David wouldn't do it because I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. And then there came a time when the Philistine army were going to come against Israel and defeat and come against King Saul. And David was torn. Well, what am I going to do? And, and his guys said, well, let's go and fight with the Philistines. I don't know what got into him to decide to do that, but you'd have to go back and read the story. But he did. But if you remember the story, he went to the Philistines and he got there and they're having a big parade. You know, the armies were coming. And there's David with all his mighty men. And, and the king of the Philistines goes, What's he doing here? He's, he's one of them. He's not fighting for us. No way, go home, send him home. Send him home before I kill him now. And like, so David gets rejected. He's, he's rejected by his own king, and now he's rejected by his enemies. He's rejected everywhere he goes. He goes back to his home to find that while he's away trying to sort everything out and, and, and fight this battle, Another king comes in, pillages his house, and all his mighty men's families takes them all into captivity. Animals, women, children, everything, burns everything down. They've got nothing left, and they come home, and his mighty men turn on him. 
to the eye of David. Come on, boys, let's study. About enough of this. They're about to stone David, and David re retreats into the Lord and says, and the word says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord. And then the next thing he did, he said, God, what do you want me to do? Right? Now, isn't that interesting? Everything's going on. Everything's going on. You've lost everything. The devil has sifted you like wheat. And he's done a joke on you. He's done a Peter on you. He's done, he's done whatever he can on you. And you've got this high calling of God on your life to step into your destiny, to step into something, and suddenly everything's gone wrong. Your body's falling apart. You, know, you don't know whether you can do, whether you're physically capable of doing what God wants you to do. You don't know whether your bank account is going to get you there. You don't know whether your relationships are going to get you there. You don't know whether anything is going to get you there. So you look at all your circumstances and none of it is adding up to that destiny. And inwardly, what do you do? Well, you can have a pity party. We do that occasionally, don't we? Or we can pass the test. Passing the test is strengthen yourself with the Lord and say, God, what do you want me to do next? Why? Because you're learning to trust God. You've learned to trust God. You love Him in all circumstances. You're, you're not going to let your worship fall to the ground. Yeah? So you're not going to turn on God and say, I don't want you anymore, I don't like you anymore, I can't do you anymore. I'm going to worship you regardless of my circumstances. Blessed be your name. The land that is plentiful and streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. You give and take away. You give and take away. I will still say, blessed be your name. I will still say, blessed be your name. See, that is the essence of a response, regardless of what's going on, regardless of who's responsible for it, whether the devil's responsible for it, whether God's responsible for it. Doesn't matter. We try and work it all out, don't we? We all want to know. We want to know in advance. God, what can't, what could you, how, okay. COVID. How many people have thought to themselves, why didn't God tell all the prophets that COVID was coming? Have you ever thought that? Why didn't God tell all the prophets that COVID was coming? Well, why didn't he tell David that he was going to get rejected by the Philistines, that all, all his mighty men and him and all his families were all going to be taken away and then they were going to try and stone him? Why didn't God warn him of that? Do you know what would happen if God warned him of that? He wouldn't have gone to the Philistines. He would have been there when the Syrian army or the Assyrian army turned up. He would have done that. He would have been a hero. That would have been a much better result, yeah? No. Why? Because he was about to have a bigger task put on him and he had to pass the test. He had to get through the testing process. He had to be honed and fashioned and chiseled and worked into a place where he was going to trust God no matter what happens. And so after that, he becomes king. Because Saul ends up dead on the battlefield. I think by his own hand, right? And so does Jonathan. And then 
Samuel comes and says, well, this guy, I don't want him to be made again. Put him put the king on. And he's king. Right? He just passed the test. He's come around that mountain. Ching-ching. Next level. Every single one of us is going to have those same journeys and the same battles and the devil's going to come after you. Do, you. do you know that, don't you? Like, there's not one of us who doesn't know that. That the enemy is trying his very best to shut us down. Alright, here's a few scriptures that just might really help us as we wrap this up. Proverbs 16, verse 9. A man, man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps and makes them sure. A man's mind plans his way. You know, if you, if you trust your own mind and you trust your own way and you trust your own resources and you trust you, you'll go the way that you want to go and God will let you do it. But it's the Lord who directs man's steps. And when God directs us and we follow, good things happen. Proverbs 20, verse 24. Man's steps are ordered by the Lord. How then can a man understand his way? This is one of the problems that most of us face. We struggle with knowing what's coming up. And we want to know. We want to know why. Yeah? That's when we get ourselves into trouble. Why this? Why that? Why is this falling apart? Why, why are we looking at our circumstances? And God says, get your eyes off your circumstances and look back at them. Don't let your circumstances dictate who you are, where you're going, and what you're doing. You know how many times Sheck and I have had to go through in this last little season of being just here in Newcastle where we've had to go through this whole process of what are we doing, God? Like, why are we doing this? And we've had to strengthen ourselves in the Lord and say, Lord, and we've had to, you know, you process with the Lord, and then you come to a conclusion. We've had to come to the conclusion that regardless of what it looks like, regardless of how many people turn up, regardless of how many people pass the back, we're just going after what God is asking us to go after, regardless. We have one person sitting here. We have nobody to turn up. It doesn't matter. We'll just worship the Lord anyway. We'll do what he wants us to do. For us to get to that place was a significant journey to get to that place. And some of you are on that journey now, and some of you have reached the destination. And some of you have just started. Because God's just given you a new call, and you're going, wow, let's do this. And you're going, okay, when do I? When I love the Amplified version uh, of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge Him, and He will direct and make straight and plain your paths. Isn't that amazing? Ah, so good. I love this verse from... Uh, Psalm 31, 14 and 15. And this is what I really want us all to be able to say. I trusted in, relied on, and was confident in you, O Lord. 
I said, you are my God, my times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. Friends, I, I believe that God wants to be able to boast about us in heaven. Oh, she's a woman after my heart. He's a man after my heart. She'll do everything I ask her to do. He'll do everything I ask him to do. And our heart ought to be that that's what we want to hear from the Father spoken over us. And that comes out of relationship. And that relationship is a journey. Yeah? And we're already in a place of wholeness in Him, but we have this natural life that we still have to work out. We have to live out. And we have feeble bodies that are aching and paining us. We have battles where the enemy comes in, whispers in our ear, whispers in the ear of our neighbours, or whispers in the ear of our best friends, and gets us all upset about all sorts of manner of things. That's life, isn't it? And as we journey, we've got to keep processing everything that we do with the Lord. Coming back to Him, Lord, my, my ways, my days, my steps are in Your hands. Everything I do is in Your hands. My bank balance is in Your hands. My, my body, my physical conditions in Your hands. Lord, if You want me to do this and my body can't do it, then I'm just going to trust that You'll get me through it. And if I have to do it in pain, I'll do it in pain. I'll do what I have to do. I'll get up in the morning if I need to. If You tell me to to go into the wee hours of the night and pray, I'll do it, Lord, and I know it's going to hurt, and, but I'll do it anyway. If, if, if you want me to give all my money away to somebody in a foreign country, and, and as ridiculous as that sounds, Lord, I'll do it because you told me to do it. <laughs> we have these little, little conversations with God sometimes, but you know what? He's looking for our opinions. And sometimes we'll find, really, God? Come on, seriously? But at the end of it, there's a wow. There's a wow. Because we watch what God does next. We watch how God brings us out, brings us through, takes us where he wants us to go. But friends, the challenge for all of us is, what is God doing in us right now? If, we're, if, we're, if we've lost our joy, we've lost our peace, we're in turmoil. Have, are we in the middle of a trust test? Yeah. If we've lost our worship, if we've lost our friendship with our neighbours, if we're getting angry, if we, have we, are we in the middle of a love test? Have we learned to love? Have we learned to forgive? Have we learned to trust God regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of their circumstances, regardless of how many people turn up to our meetings, regardless of how how many people pat us on the back or like us on Facebook or whatever it might be. Friends, I've got, to, I've got to say this as I wrap up, and that is we can learn from David, we can learn from Peter, we can learn from Paul. Remember Paul, he fell off the, off the horse with the bolt of light. It took him 13 years before he started preaching. God took him on a big journey, didn't he? But then he wrote most of the Bible, the New Testament anyway. Wow, what a... It makes sense that it took so long because he, he was the guy that was just out killing Christians. And he's a radical challenge and change, but there's a whole history, pharisaical history that has to get undone before he can be released from the church. 
Everything had to change in his life before he could get released into what it was. And then when he did, wow, there was a wow thing that it came. I believe for you guys and for us collectively, and for you guys as individuals, there's going to be a wow at the end of this season. As you come into your destiny, as you come through it, as you get to a place where you're no longer harassed, by the enemy because you've learned to trust God and you've learned to just lean in him and you learn to go, you know what, I don't understand everything. It's okay, you've got me. We get to that place and our hearts say, rest. I'm okay with who I am. There's some parts of me that I still want to change. There's some parts of me that I go, that's not so good yet. And but I'm okay with that because I know that God's working on me and that I know that I'm where I'm meant to be. You know, Sheikh and I just, we keep pinching ourselves. Right? We do, we keep pinching ourselves. Yet, the last 12 months were probably 12 of the hardest months of our lives. You know, there's a few harder situations, marriage loss, husband dying, all that sort of stuff. Um, that's, that goes in a whole other category. But what we experienced in the last 12 months of general life the hardest for months of our lives, ministry lives. But now we're pinching ourselves. Why? Because we got to a place not where everything's suddenly working. There's peace. We're at peace. I'm at peace. Sheikh's at peace. You know, we've learned to trust God. And we're learning to trust God. So I, I qualify that with those two statements. Because I'm, I'm not there yet. But I'm at peace right now. You know, some of you came in early to pray and know that we got here an hour early just to set up because I had some new equipment that I hadn't tested. And if you'd known me 10 years ago, that would have, I would have been, I wouldn't have been out of function because nothing was working tonight. Everything went pear shaped, really. But I just, I, I find, okay, so this is where we want to get to, and I feel like I'm at that place now where I'm, it's not bothering me anymore. I don't know if you noticed that, but I wasn't frantic, I wasn't, you know, I was just, it's okay. You guys go and pray, and I'm just going to keep doing what I've got to do, because I want to, I, I know what I have to do in order to get, but I, it's just not working yet. We got there. And God, it's good. And you got here, and God is good. Right? So, what encouragement do we take out of that? Well, God's got us on a journey, yeah? We're not there yet, but we have a destiny, each one of us. We've got a, all of us have got a calling. All of us ought to have hope. All of us have a right to peace because we have the King of Peace living within us. And so I want to encourage you, just whatever you take out of tonight, just to say, okay, God, I trust you. Strengthen yourself with the Lord. And then say, God, what do you want me to do next? What does the next step look like? And I'll trust you with that one too. Amen? Yeah? I hope that's encouraged you. Alright, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to pray. And then I'm going to put a little bit of 
soaking music on the screen. Some of you might want to go, but I don't know that the Lord's necessarily finished yet, so let's just see what the Lord wants to do. He may have been speaking to you during worship or earlier, even during the message, saying, okay, God wants us to do something. I just saw you in the shofar there, and I'll Sorry? There's a battle of sound. Yeah, there's a battle of sound. Yeah, there's a battle of sound. It's been going all the time I've been here. Yeah. And before I came, there's a battle cry and it's for victory. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wanted to, because I didn't bring my show far, but I saw you all sitting there and I I feel like I want to blow this show far. It's only a little one. You might not see it just sitting on the table. But uh, I, if, if you allow me to, I just the edge of it where you spit on it. <laughs> I'm just going to put some music on and uh, we'll see what the Holy Ghost wants to do. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au. God bless.